Hi, I'm Chris Sarandon, and welcome to Cooking by Heart, where we revisit the vivid memories of the food we grew up with and the people and the stories attached to that time in our lives. My guest today is the inimitable and celebrated stage actor and stand-up comedian, Mario Cantone. Mario gained acclaim for his Tony-nominated one-man show, Laugh Whore, which began on Broadway and became a Showtime special. His other Broadway appearances are in Terence McNally's Love, Valor, Compassion, Assassins, and Shakespeare's The Tempest for the New York Public Theater on Broadway. On television, I'm sure you know him from Sex and the City on HBO and its reboot and Just Like That. He's performed his stand-up comedy at Carnegie Hall, Gotham Comedy, and at the legendary Cafe Carlisle. He makes or has made regular appearances on David Letterman, Jimmy Fallon, Oprah, The Today Show, and appears regularly on The View, as well as being a guest host and commentator on Turner Classic Movies, for which I, for which I envy him tremendously. It's my favorite thing to do, you know. Oh, man. Uh, everything that I do, and I know, you know, the Sex and the City thing, and it just yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, especially, yeah, yeah. is a big, big deal for me. But I have to say, that makes me so happy. It's ridiculous. If I wormed my way into that station, yeah. I mean, I got to know Ben Mankiewicz, who was a fan of mine, luckily, and and then I tweeted him back, and then I met the talent uh, coordinator, and I got in there. I mean, if I had handled my career the way I handled that, I'd be a superstar. <laughs> but instead, I yes. climbed my way to the middle, and I stayed right. there. But yeah, I loved her. And I just got back from the Turner Classic Film Festival. Oh, I present. Oh. I had a blast. I, I, I did it three years in a row. Well, I did it the year before COVID shut down. Yeah. And then I did it the last two years, too. And this year was uh, was great. I did Hairspray opening night. Uh, the movie Hairspray, we did yeah. that opening night. And right, with, right, right. Uh, I, I interviewed Ricky yeah. Lake. And then I presented The Old Maid, the Betty Davis movie, by myself. And I just went off and did Betty Davis for 10 minutes. Oh, my which God. Was one. And it did, uh, oh, it was great. And then I did East of Eden with Eddie Muller. And I did oh. Butterfield 8. Oh. With Ben, Ben picked Ben Mankiewicz picked that one, and I because he always lets me pick all the yeah. movies that I do right. on television with him. So I was like, well, let Ben pick something, and he mm-hmm. picked Butterfield Day, and yeah. I gave him such shit about it in <laughs> front of the audience. I just railed him. I was like, really? What? What? Ha! We because it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, but, I mean. You know, it's- it's known uh, for her her performance in the movie, Liz Taylor's performance in the movie, but the movie itself is junk. Oh God, it's it's yeah. bad. Yeah, we but it was fun. And last year, I I, I interviewed Gene Kelly's widow, and one year I interviewed uh, beautiful Jennifer Grant, Cary Grant's daughter. I, I I I live for this. But this year, I'm doing a Mother's Day marathon with Ben Mankiewicz on yeah. Sunday Mother's Day, and then I'm doing two movies a week on uh, on every t- every Tuesday night, five Tuesdays in a row on in October. So that's, any particular genre. The uh, well, night it's shows? always horror in October, ah, and it's always ah. horror in October. But I go off the grid a little bit. It's suspense, thriller. It's called creepy right. cinema. We did it. Uh, this is the third October in a row that we've we've done it. So it's a thrill. It's favorite horror movie of all time. You know, it's a. T- I, 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 and I haven't shown it yet because they haven't gotten the rights yet. Um, probably Carrie. Really. Yeah, I mean, you you can't get better than those two performances either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sissy Sissica and Piper Laurie. She's in a Piper Laurie, who thought she was doing a comedy when she did it. She's so genius in it. <laughs> really? You know, she's that religious Margaret White. And she's that scene, which is like, I should have killed myself the first time he put it in me. 
And he, he came <laughs> at me with his hands all over me and his rock and whiskey breath. And I loved it. I loved it. I mean, just, just, yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. The way yeah, yeah. Cat and John Travolta, Nancy Allen, who I'm a big fan of, and she actually wrote me a letter after I showed Blowout. And, and I said, call me. And I, we spoke for a while. And then John Travolta wrote me a letter after I showed Blowout. I always do a night with De Palma and Hitchcock. So I did. Right. I did blow. First year was De Palma. It was was Blowout and uh, and Psycho. And last year was um, was uh, uh, Obsession and Rope. Ooh. And, and this year it's going to be Dress to Kill because we finally got the rights. Right. Another one with Nancy Allen and um, and and um, Shadow of a Doubt. And let me. Can I make a suggestion? Sure. Do you remember Nick Rogue's Don't Look Now? I saw it. Yeah, I almost showed it last year. The one with the Donald Donald Sutherland. Sutherland to Julie oh, Christie. Yeah. And it's very a lot of nudity and oh. very strange and, and creepy. creepy. Yeah, I, I I I could have showed that last year and it would have been a TCM premiere, but I bet I went another way. I sound mm. like a casting where I was like, I'm sorry, Chris. You were great, but we went another way. Um <laughs> but uh, uh uh but yeah, I I, I uh I do. I did watch it, and uh, and I, I I I I'd like to show it sometime. I remember seeing it in the theater, and and oh. I, I I didn't know what to expect. Can and just a- uh, oh man, uh, it still bothers me when I think about it. Yeah, it's good, Julie Christie. It's very good. Uh, one of the first things we always talk about is provenance, where we're from, and yours very specifically, I think, is important just in terms of your family. Um, uh, you moved a couple of times. Tell me where you were born, wh- where you moved uh, after a little bit. So I was born in uh, at the Beth Israel Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, uh, yeah, and uh, we were living in Everett, Massachusetts. I didn't know my grandparents at all, except my grand, my mother's mother, was alive for two weeks. I was born Whoa. December 9th, and then she died December twenty fifth. She died Christmas Day. She made the meatballs. She made the sauce, sauce and the meatballs, and they called it gravy. And she went to yep. lay down and take a nap, and she died. So they were probably screaming and care. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know how they are at the wakes and the funerals. How old so, was yeah. she? she I, I think she was, uh, you know, I don't know. She got to be like 70. She was not yeah. old. Relatively young. Uh, right. Even they all, they all look much older than they, you know, than they would now. It's very strange. But she, yeah, she died and, and I didn't know her. So I didn't know my grandparents. So my Aunt Jo was the one that really like encouraged me to cook. My mother did not like me cooking. Like when she would go out to play cards, I would bake or she went away for like to Vegas or Atlantic City, which is the only trip she ever took. She yeah. never went to Italy. You know, the Italians didn't travel. So Italian-Americans. So I would sneak bake like I would bake and she'd find like a drop of flour behind the toaster oven and scream at me because I was baking. Like, really? I mean, what am I? I'm not having a cake party and breaking coffee tables with a gang of men. Right. I'm just right. fucking baking. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, she thought baking was going to make me gay. It's like, really? It's not it did. a baking soda. Yeah, it did. But I love to bake. Wait, now you started baking when you were young? How old? Yeah, you? I love to bake. I love to bake. I love to cook. I love to cook. But I started baking when I was young. I bake now. I have a banana bread that I sell to a coffee shop on. 19th and 9th Avenue, Stone really? Street Coffee. My friend David Oz owns it. Yeah. It's a in the storefront to a, a, a speakeasy called Bathtub Gin. So I <laughs> met him like 10 years ago and I right. said, you know, I bake and he tasted it and he was like, this is delicious. I said, so I, I bake it for the coffee shop once in a while. I haven't in a while because I do have a career, Chris. But um, yeah, it, 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 so I love to, I do, I bake. I do you bake remember the first, stuff. do you remember the first time you baked? Yeah. It, I think they were called 
well, my this woman named Jackie Witten, who was the cafeteria lady that I worked for, she was skinny, skinny, like bang, gray hair. She smoked, smoked camels. She was like, How old? you know, was a, she was, oh, she was probably in her fifties and she looked older. She'd always ask the phone, kitchen, kitchen, John, I need some bacon burgers. I'm out of them. I mean, she was a nut. <laughs> she was screaming. And we would like play the soundtrack to car wash and take the trays of French fries and dance down the aisle. We were nuts. It was, she was great. How old were you? I was like in high school. I was 15, 16, 17. Oh, she used okay. to let me smoke pot in her office. She was so funny. And and the, so she taught me how to make conca. She called them conca bars, but they were Congo bars. But Congo bars really have like, they have coconut in them of some kind. Right. This was just basically a butterscotch brownie. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so she taught me to make that. And I still make them to this day. And they're so delicious. Um, but chocolate chip cookies with macadamia, some brownies. Uh, I make the best sweet potato pie a white boy could ever make. It's stunning. Um, you know, I make banana bread. I make pumpkin bread. I, 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 you know, I, I make pasta chotes, pasta chotes, a little Easter pastries, Italian. They're like a sugar crust, sugar mm-hmm. cookie crust with, with uh, a, uh, cooked custard, vanilla custard in the middle Ooh. of it. Oh my God. My mouth is watering. It's so delicious. Oh yes. my God. Mine is too. And you know, Easter, we make that. We had a thing called pizza cana, which is means full pizza. People, most, most Italians call it pizza rustico. The Sicilians call it that. Most of it, Italy calls it pizza rustico. It's like a crust, which is a buttery kind of weird calzone pie combination crust right. filled with ricotta cheese and chopped meats and, uh, and like you know, salami and ham. And, and then you layer it. You mix the ricotta with egg. And it's so delicious. Oh, and layered my, and pops up. That's an Easter pie. That's a pizza rustico. We call it the pizza can. If you're from Naples... You know it is pizza gain. I'm like, I remember I gave a piece to Anne Bancroft one time, uh, who I, when I was working with Mel Brooks on some things, I got to meet yeah. her and I almost died. Cause I, I know I worked with her. Yeah, you did. How, what did you I do? Did with her? I did a movie called lipstick with her. I love that movie. Chris, I forgot you did that. Yeah. You were the, were you were the, you were the murderer. In it. The, well, the bad, the, no, not the murderer, the rapist, the bad, the rapist. yeah, That's the nasty. I mean. Oh. I love that movie with with Margot Hemingway, right? Margot Hemingway, Mariel Hemingway, and Anne. And Anne, oh my God, yeah. I love that movie. I I got I, to hang with her. How great was she on the set? Oh, what an extraordinary woman! Extraordinary. Just, oh, and she was like a health conscious woman, and she dies of cancer. I mean, what the fuck? Go figure. Yeah, I know. I remember. I I said to her after this reading of of the producers, I went up to her and I said, Anne. Do you know what pizza gain is? She was like, of course I do. And I was like, well, I made you some. She's like, you made me pizza gain? I said, yes, I did. So she took it. And then Mel told me the, uh, 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 weeks later, he goes, we ate a little bit every, every day. Uh, a little piece every day. But she was, she was, oh, my God. Oh, and she's, yeah, wonderful woman. Wonderful woman and very interesting. Yeah. I, I got to spend the time with her a couple of times on the set. And also they invited us over to their house once, the cast. Yeah, uh, when we yeah. were shooting, and wow. uh, it was great. Anyway, oh. so I'm moving back in time, all right? So tell me about mom and dad. My mother was a compulsive gambler and a bookie. She mm. was emotionally unavailable. Uh, she was a very depressed woman. Did uh, she cook? Yeah, she cooked, but she hated it. Oh, really? No, she would do that thing that she did everyone, you know, uh, you know, she did every holiday. She'd cook and then she'd be like, I'm done. Never again. I'm not doing this again. Never again. You know, she was a right her hand and dip right. a table. She was, you know, she was really that's <laughs> my father was just kind of like a, you know, you know, he re- owned a restaurant. My father was not 
my mother was the bookie in the gamble. My father didn't even do that. But then he she quit and she because he moved her from Everett, Massachusetts to Stoneham, Massachusetts to get right. her away from her sisters who are all booking and betting. You you just are a bookie. It's one thing. It's your business. That's how they look at it. The even though sisters? it's illegal. Oh, the sisters. It wasn't the bed. It was my mother's sisters, Mickey right. and Joe. But it was the phone was under my father's name. So two weeks after I was born, when they got busted and they were ripping up the slips and throwing them down the toilet, my mother's the one that got busted because the phone was under my father's name. So my, my yeah. father took the rap for her. He was not doing it. He took the the rap for her. He went to court and um, and uh, they gave him a suspended sentence. So he mm-hmm. didn't have to go to jail and right. pay a fine. And my the, his lawyer said to him, hey, Mario, his name is Mario. I'm a junior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. said, Mario, let me, let's, let's appeal so I can get this wiped off your record. I know I can. He appealed. He went to jail for three months. You're kidding. Um, yeah. And then oh. my father moved them to Stoneham, Massachusetts, which is which, 15 minutes away. It wasn't that far. Yeah, right. Um, and she stopped booking and she stopped betting. She bet, too. You know, she lost, they mortgaged the house two times because she fucking lost so much money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My father just, at the time, was just owning a restaurant. He owned a building in Boston that had a restaurant in it with his brother, Teddy, my uncle Teddy. Was he the the heart and soul of the restaurant or he was just the owner? It was, he was just the owner. It was a shit restaurant. During the day, they had lunch at night. It was never anything because it was a very dead area. He tried everything, too. He tried strippers at night. He tried... You know, he was a gay bar for a month, which is horrifying. These really? older gay men in green leisure suits sitting at the bar. I was like, what? It was so <laughs> weird. And he tried everything. But then it became a new wave rock and roll club, Cantones. It's very historic in Boston. It was like, it was like there was, uh, there was the Rat Skeller in Cantones. They were all the way the punk rock bands. Right. When I went to right. Emerson College, they, all the kids were into that. Your father owns Cantones? I was like, yeah, it's disgusting. I hated it. I liked R&B music. I listened to WR yeah, yeah, yeah. and ILD in, in Boston. It was the only black station in Boston. I mean, that's what I liked. Soul music. I would go see Phyllis Hyman and Luther Vandross and Stephanie Mills and all the other kids were going to see, you know, mm-hmm. Leonard Skinner or some shit like that. I'm not that Leonard Skinner was shit. I like Leonard Skinner. I mean, you know, all my class song was Freebird, but I didn't vote for that. You knew it was my voting page because I was the only one that voted for Ease On Down the Road. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for Ease on down the road for my class. From the Whiz. Well, that's Mario's anonymous. Uh, you know, best <laughs> dancer. You bet. Best looking. You vote all that shit in high right, school. Right, right. I remember so, that. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, my father moved my mother. She stopped gambling. She stopped betting. He started booking, not betting, but he started taking it on as a business. Um, and they busted him in 1976 in his restaurant, in his office. And he went, this is a true story. I found this out the night of his funeral. He went to... He went to court, he walked in, and the judge was the lawyer that he had in 1960 uh, that told him to appeal. Right, yeah, right. And he dismissed it, and, he, and, he, and that was it. Wow, wow. Great story. Now, I'm going go to go back again because I'm still interested in what it was like around the dinner table. You had siblings, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but it was very split up. My older siblings were pretty much gone. Oh, so I, they were much I, you know, older? They were all, yeah, it was like... It was like it was like Mary and Camille, Teddy, and then there was a 10-year difference, and then it was me and Joey. And there was a seven-year difference between me and Joey. So we... Yeah, kind of like uh, me and my brother. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I would have dinner with my brothers, you know, my brother Teddy. I remember my brother Teddy always setting up my the train set for me every Sunday. And then sometimes mm. he couldn't. I was like, why? He was like, because I got to go play football. I'm like, no, you have to set up the train set. Um, but <laughs> we, my mother, I, 
What was it like around the dinner table? Monday, quiet, boring. There's nothing to talk about. It was not tense. It was, I mean, it was, it was tense. It was kind of weird. I mean, look, at holidays. You come from a family of talkers. Yeah, but yeah, no, not my mother. My mother wasn't a talker. She was a sad woman. Yeah. And my father was kind of, you know, my father had other women and there was that tension and Mm-hmm. You know, we had there was, you know, Christmas was more lively because we were doing it and we were all together. Uh, Marion would come back from New York and my sister would, my other sister would come over and say, we'd all come over. Um, so it was a little different. But dinners were sporadic. I mean, we'd go out to dinner. My, my mother would cook Monday, Wednesdays and Sundays. She made sauce and meatballs. And mm-hmm. so that was that was that. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, my father would be out. He'd come home late. Um, he was at the bar or whatever he was doing. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and I just remember my, you know, I hated steak. And when she made steak, I wanted a fucking bologna sandwich or peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> She'd get pissed off me. I was like, I don't like this. And I would chew it and wipe my mouth and spit it out. Spit it because out. I didn't want fucking steak. And then it was shit steak. It was not even good steak. Like T bone shit you got at Star Market, which, you know, I, it wasn't good. Yeah, and, and badly, badly prepared. Nah, I don't know. It was just I mean, she boiled. Just threw it, it was broiled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was broiled. Terrible. No. no do you, you, do you still have that uh, aversion to steak? No, I like a good steak, but I rarely eat beef. I don't eat it too much. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, I like it, but I don't do it. I, I do like pork, though. I'll eat everything. I eat pork. I eat chicken. I eat rabbit. I love rabbit. I love mm. frog's legs. I love, I love, I love pheasant, mm. woodcock. I love game, quail, mm. squab. I love all that. Venison. Venison. Yep. If it's well, if it's done well. Which means right. Yeah. You're a traditional carnivore. Yeah, I like to eat. I do. I love, and I, you know, and I cook a lot. I cook a great sauce and meatballs. My meatballs are great. I, I cook an amazing lasagna. Um, I, I make, you know, I make good fish. I make an amazing gumbo. I, I perfected my gumbo ooh, over, over ooh. COVID. COVID, I cooked every night. Every night. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot as well. You know, and having the... Having the, gr- the grocery truck pull up with uh, way too many provisions and sticking yeah. them in the f- freezer downstairs. But back back to home, was there ever a meal that you looked forward to when you were a yeah, kid? sauce. I like my, my gravy and my meatballs, and that's what I look at. Lasagna. I love lasagna. She didn't make that all the time, but yeah, I love that. You know, my, my favorite thing was my mother made? Mm. She made a lobster in a marinata sauce. Oh. You have it over linguine, and you have the whole lobster over The it. whole lobster? Yeah, she, you, she would cut the heads off. So the sauce would kind of go through them and she just put them in for like 20 minutes, shut it off and left it in there. And it gave it the sauce's taste of lobster and you pour it over linguine. And Ooh. It's, it was my favorite thing. I never make it. I'm I was just going to ask. No, so you, I've made, not- I have made it, but it's been, my sister Camille makes it. My sister Camille won't cook for anybody. She, she's like a closet cooker and she's good at it too. So she doesn't have to cook. She doesn't want to cook for anybody. Mm-hmm. She's, she lives in a fucking home and she lives in a house and, Massachusetts, and she, you know, she rarely invites anybody over. No family? No, no. She's, you know, my brother Teddy's there. My brother Joey's here. Um, and I'm here. But, you know, I'll tell you, the last few years, it's like, I'm not cooking anymore. I'm kind of, I'm like, this year we went to beautiful restaurants for holidays. Mm. For both East Christmas Eve, Christmas, and Easter, we had a beautiful Dinner at the French Laundry in Yountville, Napa Valley. That was oh, magnificent. Oh, my. Well, I love Tom Skeller. He's a genius. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I love chefs. All the chefs I know, all the chefs that I love and obsessed with, I had to get to know. I had to know them. Personally? Oh, yeah. I had to. Yeah. More than actors, give me a chef. Hmm. 
How interesting. Have you ever thought of creating a, a cookbook yourself? Yeah, I was good. I always joke about it. I say, I'm going to make a show. I have a cookbook coming out called Master Baking with Mario. But um, I, 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 you know, my friend Adriana is helping me write it. We're working on it, but I'm lazy. Adriana Trujani, who's a mutual friend of ours and who's also been on the podcast. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, yeah, she's a remarkable woman. Yeah. So I'd like, you know, I, you know, she's working on it. So she's like, we're going to do your cookbook. She keeps saying, we're going to do it. So she's working on it. And I'm, you know, I'm helping out. But I, I don't want to. Yeah, if it happens, just, it happens. I have yeah. no interest. I'm so disinterested in so many things. I'm just like <laughs> bored, and I just, you know, I'm so lucky, lucky and thankful that in just like that is happening, and we just finished our second season, and yeah, I'm the luckiest boy in and the world. Life is good. Life is yeah, good. It's all good. right. I'm I'm still gonna go. Keep going back. Go back. Okay, go back. So, for instance, when you came home from school, reel you in. That's right. Uh, yeah. When you came home from school, yeah. Were there things that you uh, went for when you when you got home? Did, were, were there specialty snacks that you created ever? Well, what did I eat snack wise? We liked Oreos. Uh, I liked my mother always had a good Mister Good Bar. She loved she loved Mister Good Bars. I she love Mister Good Bars. Yeah, she loved Mister Good Bars. Yeah, that and Baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. Yeah, I love Baby Ruth. I loved O Henry's even more. Yeah. Um, uh, although I'm a dark chocolate guy now. Mm, me too. Dark chocolate, you know, yeah. but I but. Um, Reese's cups, you know, I mean, stuff like that. I would, I would go for. We never had soda in the house. She never had Coca Cola, ginger. Yeah. I didn't grow up with any of that stuff, which is why yeah, I don't really I didn't drink it now. No, yeah. we had so many families did um, chocolate milk and a bologna sandwich with mayonnaise. Oh my god, it's yes. my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still today. Did you just uh, plain uh, uh, bologna, or did you fry it? No, just bologna and mayonnaise, and if with mayonnaise, and then if it had cheese on it, I would put mustard. Uh, and a tuna fish sandwiches i love yeah, yeah. you know italian tuna would squeeze the oil and like mix, yeah. just mix it simple with mayonnaise that's it um no i didn't any crunchy celery in it i, I like it even egg salad no no Salt, pepper and, and and mayonnaise that's mayonnaise. it done yeah, yeah. i want the herbs in it give me it i love eggs eggs my mother would poach me eggs every morning or really? scrambled eggs every morning, every yeah, morning. She, yeah, she made me breakfast my mother made me breakfast I wasn't a big cereal guy. I wasn't a big cereal guy. I, I love oatmeal. I like steel cut. Didn't grow up with steel cut. Grew up with Quaker no, Oats. I, that's what I eat now, too. But I like to. But I make my husband breakfast unless I'm working or I got something to do, which is rare. Mm-hmm. I make him breakfast every morning. Every morning. Every morning. Do you pattern what your mom did for you or do you make I him do anything? I scrambled eggs. I do poached eggs. I make great pancakes. I don't do pancakes a lot, though, but I make them once in a while. I make great fam- pancakes too. Whole grain, whole grain whole pancakes. Whole grain, nice. Yeah, whole wheat, buckwheat, a little rye flour. I put a little yeah. cornmeal in there for a little bit of a crunch. Oh, that's nice. Oh, oh they're very that good. That sounds like a rye flour and cornmeal and. A whole wheat flour too. Yeah. Do you use cornmeal or corn flour? I use cornmeal because that gives it a little crunch. The crunch, yeah. yeah. Well, I make a great cornbread. When I make my cornbread, it's like flour. Corn, corn, gra- really good ground corn right. meal, flour, yeah. corn flour, and then corn meal. So I use three things. Uh-huh. It gives it a my corn, my cornbread's gorgeous. But yeah, I, I make just regular pancakes, blueberry pancakes. But I, I've never made a combination like that. That sounds very interesting. I made buckwheat pancakes though, with flour and buckwheat. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. And this is from I, I think the original recipe was from the you know the Tassahara bread book. Yeah. 
It's a, from a group yeah. of monks uh, yeah. b- who live in, I think, Napa, someplace. Anyway, they make bread, a lot of bread, and uh, they also make pancakes. They have this, they, Check they out have their the pancake rest- recipe. It's really I great. I have it, yeah. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, I, 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 but I do. I, I make him breakfast every, every morning, and I cooked him dinner every night during COVID, every mm. night. And he cooks. He's a great cook. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He makes beautiful rabbit. He makes uh, made a boar stew one time that was delicious. Wow, is that where you get this uh, predilection for a game? I don't know where from Jerry. From. I don't know. He we both love it. I, I mean, ra- my mother never cooked rabbit when we were Italian. My aunt didn't either, but mm-hmm. my aunt Jo is the one that encouraged me to cook. She really, t- when my mother was sick and dying, she stayed with us for, for six months. My aunt mm-hmm. Jo, she's not like a she. You know, she didn't love her family. Um, she loved her family, but they drove her crazy. So she, she, they were all older. So she stayed with us. Couldn't stand her husband. She yelled at him all the time, Freddie. But she would stay. She stayed with us for six months. And then when my, when my mother died, she stayed for another six months. And she made her sauce thicker. Mm. My father liked it thin, which is a very Sicilian way. So she would make it the way my mother made it for my father. She was so, she loved my father. So the so proportion Sicilian to uh, what? Uh, Neapolitan? Naples, yeah. Avellino. Yeah. yeah. So. What's the difference in preparation? Well, the th- the sauce was thicker. Just cook cooked down more. Yeah, Joe made a very thick sauce. Her meatballs were incredible, the best. My mother's were great too, but Joe's were phenomenal. But she and they would argue like my mom never, you know, she would say, "No, I didn't make the sauce this thick." Yeah, she did. You know, they would argue that shit. But but my father liked it thinner, so my mother made it thinner because his father used to make it thinner. Right. Um, and his father was the cook. His mother died when he was younger, so. Um, she, Joe would make the sauce the way my father liked it. So she taught me, she, she, she that year that she was there, I was mm-hmm. in college, but I came home a lot and she cooked. I, she encouraged me to cook chicken mm. soup and that and, yeah. and meatballs and just her, her big, she was like, we were both lucky that way. Cause my mom was the same way with me when I was home. Uh, y- y- you help you, you, yeah. you, you observe what I'm doing or, you know, and this is how it's done. She'd always tell me yeah. how something was done. Uh, no recipes. No, uh, they was all eyeballed. You just kind of. Yeah. But my, yeah, my mother didn't do that. My aunt did. My aunt, my mother did not have me help her or have me look or teach right. me how to. Mm-mm. She was mm. like, she just did it. I wanted to stay out of her way anyway because she was fucking scary. So, you know, she was moody. <laughs> you know, so I just stayed out of the way. Okay, so so we've covered a bit. Oh, and one of the things that occurred to me when I was reading about you is that one of your first impressions was of Julia Child. It was. It was. And why did you choose her? I don't know. Someone. My, one of my first impressions really was like Ernestine Lily Tomlin. Mm-hmm. This is high school, right? No, there was junior high school, really. Oh, oh. I, I was doing Edith Ann and Ernestine because Lily Tomlin was a big deal for me. Her and Robert Klein were the reason why I do comedy. So. But someone told me about Julia Child, and I just watched her on PBS, and I learned to do her. And I, I did her. I did her. I did her making a crepe Suzette in my junior high school talent show. Wow. Did anybody know who she was? Oh, God, I killed. I mean, I would get up on the stage and whisper, did they never seen anything like it? I was like a kid doing impressions. And I used to do Paul Lynn, too. That was another one that I did. I played Harry McAfee and. You know, I played Harry McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie, right, right. Yeah, he was, you know, so those are the impressions I, I, I would do. And then in college, I got into the, this group called the Emerson Comedy Workshop that Dennis Leary headed up. Right. With Dombrowski and Eddie Brill. And we, um, 
you were good good friends with with Dennis, right? Yes, and I one of the first sketches I did was a Julia Child sketch, rolling a joint. <laughs> he, what a great idea! Ripped, yeah, she ripped a screen out of the window to kind of scrape the pot on, and she said, and "All the seeds would just roll down the bottom," you know. So she, <laughs> I, and I rolled it and got high. Yeah, it was one of those sketches. <laughs> yeah, so I find it interesting too because. A couple of people that I've talked to. First, Mike Tucker. Do you know who Mike Tuck- Michael Tucker no. is? Actor who was on L.A. Law. He's a fabulous Italian cook. I have to get you guys together, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, I love he, they have a house in Italy, and uh, uh, it, Michael is a wonderful cook. He, he, when he was out on L.A. Law, he actually had a day with her where they cooked together, and they wow. went out to dinner the next day, evening. It was quite extraordinary. Uh, it's a wonderful podcast. At any rate. Uh, and Jacques Pepin, Jacques Pepin, who oh, was yeah. dear friends with with Julia, Julia yeah. and talked about her as well. She, I, I used to do her when I had this kid show called Steampipe Alley, which was on WWR TV out of Secaucus, New Jersey. It was from eighty eight to ninety three. It was a very irreverent children's show. We got away with murder. You could not do what I did on that show. Oh really? Today. Oh yeah. And one of the first sketches was a Julia Child thing where I I made a Barbie and. Barbie and Ken quiche. And <laughs> you know, they came out with slices with their heads on top. I mean, it was, I filleted the little mermaid one time. I mean, it was just <laughs> thick, crazy. Oh, great. Yeah. But yeah, it was some great wonderful. stuff. Wonderful. So, wild. Yeah. Wild. So, and, I, and she, at the, she came to the station to do one of the talk shows there and they showed her a clip of me doing her. And she oh. said, Oh, she said, look, we're wearing the same color sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. So she was pretty awesome. You had her to a yeah, T. I had her down. It was good. It's a good impression. Yeah. yeah I still <laughs> love doing it. Yeah. Got to keep her alive. And that's how I win her over all the chefs that I know and love by doing uh-huh. her. By like, doing oh Julia. Yeah. Right. Right. I remember doing that for Daniel Balud, and he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. Nancy Silverson, who I love, she's got Moza in, uh, in LA and she had La Brea Bakery. She, I love her. She was mm-hmm. a tough nut to crack. And when I met her, it's kind of, you know, cool. And then I got talked, I talked her up. I was like all over her. And then I did Julia Child. She was like, she said that, what did she say? She said, that's um, incredibly accurate and uh, and bizarrely creepy. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Especially yeah. for somebody who knew her really well. Yeah. So, something that also struck me was something you said, and I, I don't know if it's an accurate quote, that when you were in high school... You were friends with everybody because you were never someone who tried to be someone he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, there were a few people that weren't kind, but junior was weird. Junior high was when I got kind of like, you know, verbally gay bashed, not 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 physically, but definitely I was just I I was afraid to go someplace with my mother or father for fear Uh, I would run into someone and they would call me a faggot or a queer and blah blah blah. So I, I, you know, did your parents know, or were they? I aware finally that told were- them, you know, that that's what they were calling me. I didn't tell them I was gay until, well, I never told my mother. She knew. She did not like it. She was not happy about it. My right. father was actually kind of whatever. Yeah, he, was what very, like, he didn't care. He was like cool about it. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Sicily, they're more kind of what well, they don't want to see you fucking in the streets, but they're like whatever. Yeah. But if you go to Naples, they don't like it. So hmm. I had this psychological epiphany of where they're both from and feeling what they were both like in both places. Yeah, it was the parallel, parallel. It was yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, but... In high school, it was easier. 
Yeah, I mean, I was out. I was in love with an unrequited love, but I was in love with this track star named Billy. Um, and he was straight. And, you know, I, I was I was doing theater and never played sports. Even in junior high school, I didn't bow down to any any kind of peer pressure. Or, mm-hmm. I was choreographing all the jocks and guys and dolls and screaming at them because they wouldn't get the steps right. You know, I was, a, you know, I was, I was protected by, there was a couple of guys that was so tough to me in junior high school. And then by high school, like Steven Jameson, who was the captain of the football team, he was, mm-hmm. he became my, he was brutal to me in junior high school and high school. I humanized myself to him in French class because he was sitting in front of me. He was my protector for the rest of the time. How did you humanize yourself to him? I just said hello and talked to him. Mm. Yeah. I had sex with him. No, I didn't humanize <laughs> myself having sex with him. No, we didn't. Yes. Unfortunately, no, no. Boy, he was so cute. Um, no, I had my, I had plenty. I had, I had my time in high school. I did. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Fascinating. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. And then Emerson college was, you know, at the, at the time was when I went to Emerson, I graduated. Whatever the, the 60% of the school was gay. It was yeah, yeah. very well, gay school. Well, yeah. it's a very, very, uh, um, arts oriented school. It is, but it didn't prepare you for what it yeah. was like to be gay in the business. It oh, almost really? it fooled you into thinking it was okay. Thinking you know? everything, everything was going to be like that. Yeah, because when you went to L.A., which I did, and it was just like, wow. I had people say, don't tell anybody you're gay. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had I, my, my agent, when I did Dog Day Afternoon, my gay agent told me oh. I probably shouldn't do it. Which you were extraordinary in. Thank you, my friend. Extra- and every time I watch your performance, I go, Jesus Christ. I, you know, going to New York, visiting my sister in the late 60s and 70s, knowing men like that, that were yeah. friends of hers, those New York mm-hmm. gay yeah. men that. I spent an extraordinary evening. I have a very close friend who I was in um, uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona with, uh, oh. a guy by the name of Christopher Cox. And Chris was, uh, obviously Chris was gay, and he uh, had an apartment on Hudson Street. And uh, I had no kind of entree into the trans or would-be trans community, people who were uh, hoping to transition or wanted to be. And obviously, this is my character, and I wanted some some history. And so uh, he and I, one night I made a spaghetti dinner, and he invited some some people over. I'll tell you about it in more depth sometime, but it yeah, was a, a uh, remarkable evening. Did you find someone you based it on at that no, no, I based the character on the character, on the guy, on on uh, the real Ernie Aaron. Yeah. Two Gentlemen of Verona, the musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, it's my husband's favorite musical. Oh, he really? Did it, he did it in high school, and he directed an incredible production of it at NYU for, the, for mm-hmm. their main stage, and it was so great. I replaced Raul. You Julia. replaced Raul on Broadway, because yeah. you did it in the park. By the way... No, I didn't do it in the park. I did it on Broadway. No, that's yeah. like the Tempest. I didn't do it in the park. I replaced John Pankow and did it ah. on Broadway. Same thing. But what we have in common is I worked with the great Mel Shapiro, too. Ah, he, oh, I worked with I, him twice. I, what else did you work with him in? What, Marco Polo sings a solo oh at the Oh, my public. God. Without, wasn't Al Pacino in that, too? No, no. Marco Polo was Madeline Kahn, Joel Gray, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Larry Brigman, uh, and Jackson, a weird John Guare play. Very strange. That's play. what it was. It was John Guare, and it was yeah. Mar- Madeline Kahn. I, right. 
Yeah. I've worked with Madeline Kahn once. I did a reading uh, of Dear World, and it was a year and a half before she died. I, I played the deaf mute in Dear World. That's how bad I wanted to be in the room. <laughs> and it was her, Chief Rivera, Audrey McDonald, uh, 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 Michael Hall, uh, yeah, Alfred Molina. It was yeah. unbelievable. And I got to, she was from Revere, Massachusetts originally. She moved to New York when she was four because her mother wanted to be an actress and her mother never made it. She was like, I don't, you won't know where I'm from. Where? Tell me, Massachusetts. I know, no, it's a little town. You won't know what. She goes, Revere. I went, Revere. My cousin Tommy was shot down in Revere. He was you know, in the mob. I said, <laughs> I, 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 with Anthony Russo at Point of Pines. I, I know, Revere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was, she was, I loved her. She was. One of the unique, unique, totally unique. I mean, I can't think of anybody never like was, Madeline. Never and and I had such a great time working with her because she was so transparent in her emotional life uh, and uh, at the same time was so brilliantly, she was oh. smart. She was really oh. smart. She was a brilliant I woman. I sit down to her next to her and go, hi, genius. I mean, I, and I remember yeah. that would do, it was the 75th anniversary of Warner Brothers. So this is 25 years ago because it's oh, 100 wow. this year. And I went to the low cinema on 66th Street near Lincoln Center. They were mm-hmm. doing one cinema one one theater there every day they were doing a decade the five films from each decade of warner brothers on the big screen and i went to see blazing saddles and i told her before i said i'm going to see your picture tonight she goes well, what picture I said, i'm going to see blazing saddles it's 75th anniversary warner brothers is showing that and the exorcist i stayed for so i went and and the next day i said i want you to know something i said your name came up on the screen and you got applause i said and after your number i'm tired you got applause you need to know this <laughs> And I got to know her husband, and I did um, the Madeline Kahn Ovarian Cancer Foundation benefit every yeah. year at Caroline's when they would do mm-hmm. it. And yeah, so and, and John was a lovely guy, her husband. But anyway, Mel Shapiro, I auditioned for Taming of the Shrew, and it was with Alice and Janney. It was her first Shakespearean production. She had just finished the West, West Wing pilot. It hadn't been picked up yet. And J.O. Sanders, and I played Grumio. I hated doing The Tempest. I got the worst reviews. And it was not a comedy, even though it's in no. that category. And those jokes yeah. are 400 years old. You make them fucking funny. I, <laughs> I was the most fr- I had a couple of nights where I got some laughs, but I was frustrated. I got horrible reviews. They basically called me and Robbie Lehman, who was Trinculo, my buddy, two screaming queens, which you can't do that anymore, by the way. But we were like fag bashed by yeah, right. gay critics. Um, it was like, really? Oh, it was awful. They crazy. They are crazy. So, um, but I auditioned for Taming of the Shrew, and he hired me. And I said to him, Mel, why did you hire me for this? He was like, well, you just did Tempest, and I loved your audition. I said, didn't you read my reviews? He was like, no, I don't read them. But I had the greatest time with him. It was one of the last yeah. things he directed in New York. I love and you. I got to work with Mel Shapiro. That's all I say to myself. Because he was, he did it, and Mel. it was a great production and yep. fun, and I actually had a great time. And yeah. got laughs. Mm. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I had a good time with him, too. I bet you did. Marco Polo Sings the Solo was not really a fun show to do because yeah. there were constant changes. We'll, I'll tell you stories about that as well sometime. Uh, but, uh, but doing uh, Verona was great. It was really great. So, so let's, get back to, let's get back to you, no, senor. Okay. So then after uh, Emerson, you ended up in New York? Now I went to L.A. for nine months. I had no agent, no car. And just what the hell? I'll see what happens. I would walk up to the comedy store and audition and do some sets, and um, I'd never passed. I did a little one-man show in a theater on Pico called the Carpet Company Arena Stage. It used to be a carpet store, and it was a little this Jewish husband and wife owned it. They right. were so nice, and they let me do my show. And Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I enjoyed L.A. It was all right. I, I don't mind going back there. I hated it for a while, I guess, you know, like all New Yorkers have to hate yeah, it. But right, I do exactly. enjoy going there and working. And I was just there, you know. I So, yeah, my first job, I was I was a stand-in for Glenn Scarpelli on Norman Lear's One Day at a Time with Bonnie Franklin. And, yeah. And who else was on? A bunch of people were on the show. Valerie Bertinelli. Yeah, right. So, and I know Glenn too. So it's so funny. I was like, yeah, you were my first job. Um, but yeah. But then you came back to New York and, and what? New York. Odd jobs for a while? I, I sold chocolate truffles at the Trump Tower at the same company that I sold them for at the Beverly Center when I lived there, when I was in LA before. So it was a connection. So I, I sold tro- chocolate truffles and I used to do like impressions. I was, I was while, while you're selling, I do do Catherine Hepburn. I did the drizzle on that, and I didn't even have to move my hand. Just drizzle all over the place. <laughs> Perfect. I'm a good drizzler, and it gives a nice design to the chocolate. <laughs> and people were like, "What? Yeah." Uh, so, and I would do Julia Child. This is a lovely chocolate macadamia and a truffle that has dark chocolate. You can get it in milk chocolate too. I prefer the dark. It's chopped. <laughs> Chopped macadamia nuts. It's lovely. It's crunchy and macadamia nuts are a clean, fatty nut that just tastes <laughs> really delicious against the, the chocolate milk or dark. But like I said, I prefer the dark. Yeah, I would like to say that's how I would sell them to people. A clean, fatty nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful phrase. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, yeah, so that, that that's what I did. And then I met this old Iraqi Jew named David Stady who was selling jewelry in the Trump Tower and started working for him. And he became like a second father. He was hilarious. Oh, wow. A kind, wonderful God. But he was very famous. You know, Lenny Kravitz wore his jewelry, Natalie Portman. A lot of people mm-hmm. wore his jewelry in magazines. And he was very high, like American Indian jewelry. And then he designed his own stuff. But he was a big help. And then I passed at the improv on 44th and 9th. And, and I would do that club in Green Street, upstairs at Green Street, which was every Saturday night, two singers and, and mm-hmm. two comics. And it was great. I would just go from club to club every on the weekends. So and that's how I collected my rent money. And I never looked back and never had another regular job again. Oh, wow. So I only really worked for about a year in restaurant or with David Sadie. Were you at the same time going into audition for plays as well? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember auditioning for Torch Song in, for the understudy and they looked at me and they were like, you're great, but you're much too. I was like a kid at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I auditioned for stuff. And singing, right? I loved it. My, my husband taught me to be a better singer. Yeah, you're a terrific singer. I love singing. And, I, you know, I do the Carlisle. I, sing. I always had music in my stand-up. I always really broke out into song. And then I yeah. started working with the piano. And then after the one-man show, I, you know, had a band. So I always have a band if I headline somewhere or do a concert. It's been a while. Um, but I like the Cafe Carlisle. It's not a great comedy room. Some nights I fucking kill in it, and some nights it's just weird. Is it the audience? I don't know. Maybe. It's maybe the audience. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Expectation has so, has so much to do with, you know, response. But I, but I love playing it at the same time. It's a challenge, and I get to have my band. And I don't usually like small clubs like that, but I do like that room. Mm-hmm. I'll do it again sometime. To me, one of the great sort of uh, uh, interesting and unknown... Uh, elements of your career is that you have done dramatic roles in plays. You've done musicals, uh, assassins. <laughs> Talk about drama yeah. and music. Yeah, I got to, I got those monologues playing Sam Bick. But I, you know, I and I sang in it, but I sang very low and gruff. I wasn't singing mm-hmm. in a tenor voice. I wasn't really singing right. um, the way I sang. But that was a 
you know, that was amazing. Doing Love, Valor, Compassion, replacing Nathan Lane. Yeah. Was like, you know, you know, was the thrill of my life and getting Nathan's blessing and working with Joe Mantello. Joe directed three out of the five Broadway shows that I've done. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, and I love doing theater. It's exhausting. Very. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think many of our listeners, what many of our listeners, right, don't really have a, an appreciation or possibly don't have an appreciation for what it's like to do eight shows a week, particularly if you're, if you're an, in a musical and you have to sing as well and as. That's all you perform. worry about is your voice. Oh, it's like being a, you know, a, 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 a highly tuned athlete who has yeah. to stay in training all the time. You can't go out at night. You can't. And when I did my one man show, you know, that's, it's me. Oh. It's all me. There you go. The, it was like seven shows a week, six shows a week, seven shows a week. That's how we did it. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, if I ever did another one, I was like, can I just do five? I could do six, but can I just do five? I mean, I I'll imagine. get through it. It's just, I don't want to miss it. I mean, I have another one up my sleeve. I wouldn't mind doing it, but I'm not going to go after it either. If they someone wants me to do it, I'm like, come get me. Otherwise, I'm like. Do you have material that you think you could put to, use to put together for I a one-man I mean, show? It's basically the show I do at the Carlisle that I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I you zhuzh it up with production right, and there's musical right. numbers. You know, it's not just stand up, right? You know, and Jerry writes the music to it. He often, does yes? write all the original. Yeah, when it's an original song, he writes. He wrote, wrote a brilliant Bruce Springsteen thing. He wrote a really funny Liza thing. He wrote the Liza one for for Laugh for too, and he wrote the Judy Garland song for Laugh for him and Harold Lubin, who passed away. He they wrote that. Jerry wrote the title song for Laugh for, and then he he wrote a really funny new Liza thing that I do called. Um, Rewrite history, and and a, a a great Springsteen parody called Pam, my nonstick girl. That's hilarious and brilliant, <laughs> and filthy and so good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I uh, I, that's I, great. I, we'll see. You know who knows. All right, I will conclude our conversation with the final question that I ask everybody. What if there's one food memory you have? from your childhood that brings it back, that brings back a time in your life that's vivid to you and that stands out as, oh, yeah, I, I remember this particular meal or something that I looked forward to or something that I just reveled well, in. At a- I, I, you know, look, there's a few, like my cousin Tommy, the one that was killed in Revere, he used to do Christmas and Christmas Eve for like 50 people, mm. big stuff, lobsters. And I mean, it was everything. He was amazing right. what he did. Mm-hmm. That was a strong memory. But going over his mother, it was Joe, my my aunt. I would go over her house on Easter, and I would have that pizza gana, that that regatta yep. pie. That's the that right. was a big memory because my mother didn't make that; she did. So that's a memory. And being over there was very lively, and look, it was a lively family. It was just you know, it, I'm just saying when I was alone with my mother and my brother at dinner with my father, or my father yeah. was out that night, and it was just us. It was quiet. We hmm. weren't talky talk. Mm. Yeah. So, but the memory was, I think, my aunt Joe more than anything, and the pizza gana and going over there. Do you have a recipe for that? Yes, I make it. Oh, I didn't make uh, it this Easter, but I make it. Oh, I make it. It's a pain in the ass, and I make a spinach version. I make a spinach version of it too. It's delicious. All right, I'm going to get that recipe from you because I ask all all my guests uh, provide a recipe for the website. Oh my god, it's it's fucking involved. It's a project. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Mario Cantone, I can't tell you how much I thank you for this wonderful conversation. I thank you, too. And for being on Cooking by Heart. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you. 